You are listening to the teaching podcast of Praise Community Church in Mason City, Iowa. For more information about our church, please visit praisecc.org. That's such a powerful video because... Not only do we see what Jesus does for that leper, but it also really reveals to us the heart of God, who uh, Jesus is. And um, I've been kind of doing a a series on um, the book of Ezra, but I got asked a question this morning that I think is a great question. And it's a question I get asked often. And so it's an answer or a response um, that I probably don't give as often as I should because, again, it's a, it's a question that gets asked of me a lot, and my response is usually pretty much always the same because it's really kind of based off of the teaching of Jesus. And so the, basically the question this morning was, was, what does God feel towards lost people? How does God see people who are far away from him? How does God see people that maybe, you know, we've got maybe family members that aren't walking with God? Or maybe we've raised them in a Christian home or we've seen them make a profession of faith at one time, but they've kind of walked away from that and they're going in maybe a different direction. They're living a lifestyle that may be contrary to the word. And oftentimes our question, our concern is what's going to happen to them? How does God see them? How does God view them? What is God's heart towards them? Does God despise them? Is God upset with them? Is God angry at them? Is God judging them? Is God distant from them? Well, Jesus answers that question. He addresses that issue in a very, very specific way. And he does that in Luke chapter 15. So I want to just take a little bit of time this morning and I want to just talk about that because I think for a lot of us this morning, that is a relevant issue as maybe we kind of look at our own lives or we look at the lives of people around us and we're wondering, what is God doing in their lives? How, what is God's heart towards them? How does God see them? And again, Jesus speaks to that. Now, before I get into the teaching on Luke, because it involves really three teachings, but it kind of all revolves around one theme. And I've often wondered, why does Jesus tell three stories that basically has the same point? Well, he does that because in the Bible, they didn't have what we would come to know as punctuation. So if I would want to convey something to you that there was emphasis to what I was saying to you, we have ways with punctuation to do that. So we can use, you know, exclamation points. It, it, it puts it out there. It kind of emphasizes what we're saying. And we use uh, exclamation points often and, and for that purpose. Now, the Bible doesn't have punctuation. It doesn't have exclamation points. But they did pretty much the same way, just in a different way. And wh- the way that they would do that is by repeating something. 
So for example, in the book of Isaiah, when Isaiah sees the Lord and he sees his train filling the temple, Isaiah does something that kind of conveys this point. Isaiah says that he hears the angels in heaven and they're crying out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord. Now they don't just cry out, holy, they don't just cry, holy, holy. Isaiah says he heard them crying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord. And in scripture, to repeat something three times was the greatest emphasis you could ever give something. So when you see something repeated three times in scripture, it's God saying, this is the exclamation point. I am saying something to you of great significance. There, there is, there is emphasis here. I want you to pay attention to this. Um, and and he, so he'll use that repetition three times. And, and it's a way again of lifting what he's saying to a place of significance. That's why I believe Jesus in Luke 15 tells three separate stories with basically the same theme. Because he's wanting to emphasize something. He's wanting to make sure we do not miss this. We don't lose sight of this. This is important. This is significant. And so in Luke 15, he starts there and it says that tax collectors and other notorious sinners came to listen to Jesus teach. Now amongst them, Jesus, Luke says, there were some Pharisees and teachers of religious law. And they were complaining that Jesus was associating with such sinful people and that he even was eating with them. Now again, if you know anything about Jesus, Jesus would oftentimes hang out among the sinful people. At one point, he said, I didn't come for the healthy, I came for the sick. And so Jesus saw his mission was not coming to those who felt they were already righteous with God. Jesus came to those who felt unworthy, those who felt unrighteous, those who were lost, those who felt they had no hope. Jesus says, these are the people I came for. And there was just something about Jesus that attracted these people. I mean, they, they wanted to be around Jesus. They wanted to hear Jesus because they understood his heart. They understood his compassion for them. They understood that, that, that they mattered to him, that he cared about them. And so Jesus, in, in demonstrating not just to those sinners how God sees them, but he also wanted the religious people, the Pharisees, the self-righteous ones, the ones who thought that they really didn't need God because they were doing life so well on their own. And Jesus wanted them to hear because I think Jesus was trying to say to them, of all the lost, you are the most lost of all. And so he starts and he tells them the first story. And he says, if a man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness and go and search for the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, 
he will joyfully carry it home on his shoulders. And when he arrives, he will call together his friends and neighbors saying, rejoice with me because I have found my lost sheep. In the same way, there is more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. And what he says is, he says, there's one that gets lost. He doesn't wait until there's two or three or 10. He goes right away after the one. You matter to God. He doesn't wait until there's a whole lost family or a whole lost generation. No, when there's one lost person, that is of utmost concern to God. It matters to him. And it says it matters so much, he'll leave the 99 that are found and he will go and he will search and search and search and he will not give up searching until he finds that one. And then what is his reaction to that one? It says he rejoices. He rejoices. And he puts that lost one on a very prominent place on his shoulders and he carries that lost one home. And when they get home, what does he do? He gathers his family and friends together so that he can rejoice with them because that which is lost has now been found. That which he maybe presumed was dead is now alive. That which has gone away has returned. That is the heart of the father. And so Jesus, you know, again, not wanting them to miss the point, launches into a second story because again, why? He wants to emphasize lost people matter to God. And it is of such importance and significance that he, he emphasizes, emphasizes that point not with just one, not just with two, but with three stories about lost things being found. Lost things that that someone goes in search of and doesn't give up until it's found. Or suppose, Jesus goes on in verse nine, or verse eight, or suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and loses one. Won't she light a lamp and sweep the entire house and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she too calls her friends and neighbors and says, come rejoice with me because I have found my lost coin. In the same way, there is joy in the presence of God's angels, even when one sinner repents. Can you imagine the joy in the presence of God's angels. I, I can't even begin to imagine what that must look like, what that must sound like. But it says there is such joy in the presence of angels in heaven. Before the very throne of God, there is joy, there is celebration, there is rejoicing over one sinner who repents. That's how much that one sinner, that one lost person matters to God.
I just find that incredible. And then Jesus goes on and he tells the third story. And it's a story not about a lost sheep, not about a lost coin, but about a lost person. To illustrate the point further, that's the exclamation point there. Jesus tells them this story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. Now again, back in that, in that day, basically what he's saying is, is he's saying, Father, I can't wait until you die. I want my inheritance now. And it says that the father just gives to the son what he would have gotten after the father died. So he just agreed to divide his wealth between the two sons. A few days later, his younger son packed all of his belongings and he moved to a distant land. And there he wasted all his money in wild living. About that time, his money ran out. A great famine swept over the land and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him and the man sent him into his fields to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him, but no one gave him anything. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself at home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare. And here I am in this distant land dying of hunger. I will go to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you. I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me in as a hired servant. So he returned home to his father. And while he was still a long ways off, his father saw him coming. The father was watching for him. Filled with love and compassion. Not anger, not wrath, not judgment. Says the father was filled with love and compassion and he ran to his son and embraced him. It's the only instance in scripture where God runs. He embraced him and kissed him. And his son said to him, Father, I have sinned both against heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. But his father said to the servants, quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet. Kill the fatted calf we have been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast. For this son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. So the party began. That is the heart of the father toward lost people. The son takes what his father had given him and he goes and, and he squanders it. He wasted in wild living and parties and drinking and, and all kinds of rebellious ways. 
And it says at a certain point where he's feeding pigs and he's looking at the food that the pigs have and he realizes, he comes to his senses, he kind of has this aha moment. And he says, man, I know the servants in my father's house are eating much better than this. And so he kind of devises this plan and, and he says to himself, I'm just gonna go home and I'm gonna just ask my father to treat me, to take me back as a hired servant. In other words, I'm gonna go back and I'm gonna go and I'm gonna ask to be in a lesser position than when I left. And so he kind of, as he's going, I, I, you can just see him kind of rehearsing this speech. Father, I have sinned against you and I've sinned against heaven. Just make me one of your hired servants. And he's got this speech all prepared. And it says that, that he, as he's coming, the father sees him and he runs to him full of compassion and love. And he falls down and he embraces him and smothers him with kisses. I can imagine the son is just completely undone by the father's reaction. This isn't how we would expect a father who's been treated this way, who's been disrespected this way to react. But it's how the father reacts to this son. And the son starts his spiel. He starts his speech and he says, Father, I've sinned against you and I've sinned against heaven. I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. And before he can even get to the part, if you'll just make me one of your hired servants, it says the father cuts him off and he says to the servants, Slaughter the fatted calf, bring the finest robe, bring sandals for his feet, get him a signet ring, which would allow him to do the business of the father. And he says, we're gonna celebrate because that which is lost has been found. That which was dead, presumed dead, is now alive. And so they have this big, big celebration. So again, there's those three stories Lost sheep, lost coin, lost person. And Jesus tells them one right after the other. Because again, he wants us to understand the heart of the Father towards lost, hurting, broken people. I just want to encourage you if you're here this morning and you're lost, he's looking for you. Oh, that we would have the heart. <laughs> that we would have the heart of the Father towards lost people. But so often we're like the older son who was in the fields working 
when he returned home, he heard the music and dancing in the house. And he asked one of the servants what was going on. He said, your brother is back, he was told. And your father has killed the fatted calf and we're celebrating because of his safe return. The older brother was angry and wouldn't go in. The same father came out and begged him. But the older son replied, all these years I've slaved for you and never once refused to do a single thing you told me to do. And in all that time, you never gave me even one young goat for a feast with my friends. And yet, when this prodigal son of yours comes back, after squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the fatted calf. His father said to him, look, dear son, you have always stayed by me and everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate this happy day for your brother was dead and he has come back to life. He was lost, but now he is found. If we are not careful, we will become like the older son, full of self-righteousness and pride because of the way we have lived. And we will become very uncompassionate, cold, and hard-hearted towards those who are lost or towards those who maybe God has redeemed that we have maybe categorized or written off as unredeemable, unforgivable, unreachable, unsavable, unlovable. We need to understand and we need to know the heart of the Father. If you're here this morning and you're lost or you've got lost people in your family, Jesus told this story to give us hope that while we may think it's impossible, Nothing is impossible with God. All things are possible with him. And where we have maybe given up, maybe we've written them off, God is searching. He is looking. And he is going to great lengths. I love where the woman in the lost coin, it says she swept every corner of the house, every nook and cranny she went into looking that's how much it mattered to her. And again, it reveals the heart of the Father. He will go to great lengths. He will go to great depths to find and to search for that which is lost. That encourages my heart. It tells me who God the Father really is. And Jesus came to reveal to us the heart of the Father that we would know him by knowing Jesus. 
And that's why Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father. We would never come to the Father on our own understanding, on our own revelation. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except by seeing me, except by knowing me, by understanding me. And when I understand Jesus, I begin to understand who God is. When I begin to know Jesus, I begin to know who the Father is. When I hear Jesus' words, I'm hearing the words of the Father. When I see the actions of Jesus in what he's doing, I see the actions of God the Father. And I see his heart towards lost people. That they matter to him. And they should matter to us. So I just want to encourage you this morning. If you're lost or you have lost people in your family this morning, I want you to walk away with great hope this morning that he is searching for them. He is looking for them, and he will not stop searching until they are found. That is who our God is. And this is his heart toward us. This is his heart towards lost people. And we want to be a church. We want to be a people that reflects the heart of God in our community, that reflects the heart of God in our families. So this morning, I I just felt led. just felt like I needed to encourage you this morning. I feel like maybe some of you are maybe struggling, maybe in your own personal walk. And maybe you kind of feel like you're that, that, that son, that prodigal son, and maybe you've kind of walked away from God. And maybe you're kind of doing some things this morning and, and you're kind of maybe thinking maybe God despises you or that, that God is done with you, that God is angry at you. This morning is an opportunity to come to your senses to come and to see who your heavenly father really is and what his heart, his desire for you is this morning, for you to just come to your senses. And I love it that he he came and he just simply repented. He just simply said, Father, I've sinned against you. I've sinned against heaven. I'm, I'm not worthy. None of us are worthy. That's why Jesus came. None of us are worthy for the grace that God bestows upon us. None of us are worthy for the forgiveness that God bestows upon us. None of us will ever be worthy for the mercy that God bestows upon us. He does it because of his great love for us, not because of our deeds, not because of the things we do or don't do. It's not because of the things we say or we don't say. The Bible says it's because of his great love for us. While we were yet sinners. That's every one of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That's what Paul says in Romans. Every one of us, me, you, every one of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Jesus came and laid down his life for you and for me while we were enemies of the cross. While we were rebellious, I love Paul says in Ephesians, he said, before the foundation of the world, before God ever spoke in Genesis 1-1, in the beginning, 
was in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and, and God spoke and said, let there be light. The, Paul says, before God ever spoke those words in Genesis, before the foundations of the earth, God chose us to love us, for you and I to be able to be seen in his eyes as holy and blameless. And I believe that's uh, Ephesians chapter one. I think it's verse four. I encourage you to look that up. Before you and I were ever born, God already loved us with a never-ending, unfailing love. And he already chose you and I to be holy and to be blameless in his sight. That's who our God is. That is his heart. That is his desires. That is how he sees us. And as I said this morning, in Hebrews, he's made a new and living way for us through Christ. And everyone who comes to God through Christ, he will never, ever turn away. He will not reject us. We are accepted by the beloved because of the beloved. That he came and he paid the price for our sins. And when we simply turn and acknowledge that, I love what Paul says in Romans, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. Those three words, they are life-altering, destiny-changing words. Jesus is Lord. And if you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That profession of our mouth, that Jesus is Lord, Paul goes on and says there in Romans 10, 10, that, that, that those, those words, those result, those bring forth that manifest salvation. We're saved. When we believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, Paul says in Romans 10, 10, that that results in righteousness. Righteousness is simply that we are now in right standing with God the Father. He looks at us no longer as sinners, but saints. No longer as lost, but found. So if you've never ever made that profession of faith this morning, that Jesus is Lord. He is who he says he is. He is God in human flesh. He is Lord. He has come and he has paid the final ultimate price for my sin when he died upon the cross. Paul says there's no greater love than this that a man lays down his life for his friends. You and I, we are the friends of God. And he has sent his son Jesus Christ to die on a cross for you and me that we can be forgiven that we can be redeemed, that we can be part of that rejoicing of heaven's angels over one sinner who was lost but is now found. There's no greater love that a father lays down his life for his friends. 
And so this morning, I just, my, my prayer is, is if you're here this morning and you've never, ever, ever said those words, and again, it's, it's just saying those words, Jesus is Lord. I'll never forget the first time I did that. I didn't fully understand what all that meant. But I just saw that scripture and there was just faith that rose up in my heart. And I just believed that if I would say those words and then join my faith, whatever, however little that faith was at that time, if I would just take whatever faith I had at that time in, in believing that God raised him from the dead, I don't understand how he did it. I just know that he did. And when I just took that faith, that belief, and I just joined that with that confession of my mouth, Jesus is Lord. I believe in that moment I was saved. Again, I didn't understand what all of that meant. I just knew I had gone from darkness to light. I knew that I went from death to life because of that promise of God that if I would just make that declaration and believe in my heart, I would be saved. And then from that moment on, God began a process, and it's a process that God continues to make me more and more and more like Jesus. I'm more like Jesus today than I was yesterday, and I'll be more like Jesus tomorrow than I am today. And that promise is the same for every one of us in this room. God's promise is to take us and to make us more like Jesus day by day. He never gives up. He never leaves us. He never forsakes us. He never writes us off. No matter how bad we get, no matter how rebellious we get, God's promises to us are yes and amen. So I just want to encourage you this morning. Maybe you're here this morning and you've kind of had a rough week, a rough month. You've gotten into some things maybe you shouldn't have gotten into today. Today is the day to come to your senses. Today is the day where you just simply realize God is for you. He is not against you. That God wants to redeem your mistakes and your failures. That God wants to Roman 8.28 you this morning and that is God causes all things to work together for good. There's some things maybe that are happening in your life this morning that you kind of feel are for your destruction, that, that they're, kind of, they're kind of going against you. You know, when you come to your senses and you kind of just come back and you repent and you just simply say, God, I'm sorry for what I've done. God's promise to you is I'll take all of that. I'll take everything and I'll just begin to work it for good. Now here's, Here's the qualifier for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Every mistake, every failure this morning, you have the opportunity to come to your senses and realize God wants to forgive you of that, but he also wants to take that and he wants to begin to use it, to weave it in your life for good. God wants to redeem that this morning. And all we've got to do is just, again, come to our senses. Father, I repent. 
I'm sorry. Help me. Restore me. Redeem me. And God, just continue that process of sanctification. And that's, again, a really fancy word of just every day, make me more like Jesus. That's what he wants to do this morning. It's what he wants me to do in me. It's what he wants to do in you. It's what he wants to do for everyone in our church, our community, our city, our state, our nation, our world. You matter to God this morning. He loves you. He'll never leave you, never forsake you, never gives up on you. Always there for you. So my prayer is this morning, if you're like that prodigal son, that you'll just come to your senses this morning. For those of you, again, who have loved ones that maybe are lost, I just continue to thank the Father that he is who he is. Just thank him that he hasn't given up. I thank you, Father, that you're, you're going to keep searching. You're going to keep looking. You're never going to give up. And God, you're going to go to the ends of the earth for every person. For God so loved the world. Not just the good ones, not just the righteous ones. God so loved the world. That's everybody in it. That he sent his only begotten son, that whosoever, that's anybody, believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. Let's stand together this morning. Father, I just again thank you for this reminder in your word there in Luke 15 that lost, hurting, struggling, broken people matter to you. You never give up. You never leave us. You never forsake us. You'll never write us off. And we thank you, Father, for your heart toward us. God, we don't deserve it. As a matter of fact, God, if we got what we deserve, we would spend eternity in hell. But because of your great love for us, you sent Jesus and he came and he gave, he offered, he sacrificed his life that our sins would be forgiven. So Father, we just thank you for such a great love. A love we'll never understand, a love we'll never fathom. And God, I just thank you for your mercy. That mercy that gives us a window of time. And that prodigal son is he's feeding the pigs there, Father. He's in that window of mercy. And God, at a certain point, he just came to his senses. God, I pray if there are any here this morning who just need to come to their senses that just need to wake up and realize that they're lost. And not just that they're lost, but God, that they would come to their senses and they would know this morning that you, the heavenly Father, that you're looking, you're searching for them. And God, you're not searching for them to punish them. God, you're looking for them to save them, to deliver them, to redeem them. And that, God, you long to celebrate 
are being found. And that God, there is such great celebration in heaven. And God, I, I, I just feel if there are any hearts in here this morning that are repenting, that are just reaching out to you and saying, Father, I have sinned against you and I've sinned against heaven. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son, your daughter. That, Father, you would be restoring them right now, forgiving, healing, and delivering them, Father. That, Lord, in that moment, in this moment, Father, that we would know that there is a celebration in heaven this morning over one sinner. If there's one sinner in this room this morning that repents, Father, that there is great rejoicing and celebration in heaven. And, Father, we join that celebration in heaven. And, Father, I pray that there's more than just one this morning. I pray there are many this morning. Again, Father, I just thank you for your grace and your mercy. And I just pray that your grace, your mercy, your peace, your kindness, and your compassion would cover us and keep us. We thank you, Father, for Jesus' teachings. We thank you, Father, that when we hear them and obey them, that, Father, you liken us to a wise man who builds his house on a solid rock. God, I pray as we go forth from this place that we would listen, we would hear, and we would obey your word. That, God, we would be building our life, our spiritual life, Father, we would be building that upon a firm foundation, upon a solid rock. And we thank you that Jesus is that firm foundation. Father, I thank you that James says that he who has begun a good work in you, that you will complete that good work until the day of Christ Jesus. And Father, I thank you for every good work you have begun in every person here this morning. And Father, I thank you for the promise that you will continue that work until the day of Christ Jesus. And that day of Christ Jesus is the day of our death or the day of his return, whichever comes first. So Father, I thank you for this process that day by day you're making us more and more into the image of your son Jesus. And Lord, I pray more and more that we would just cooperate, that we would surrender and give our lives to that very work. We just thank you for all of this. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. If you're here this morning and... Thanks for listening. For more information about Praise Community Church, including gathering times and events, please visit us at praisecc.org.